You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Sunday Smash. Happy New Year 2022. If this is uh, your bag on Warchant TV and you always tune in on Sundays and Sundays alone, we say cheers alongside the managing editor of Warchant.com. His name is Iris Rafael. My name is Tom Lang. We offer you a, a salute. Iris going the domestic route. I go the uh, the old NAFTA route with the, uh, the Corona. And uh, before we get going tonight, uh, yes, it's a different face. You're seeing a different face on the left-hand screen. Uh, War Chant now, starting in 2022, now that we got out of the grueling football season where everything is is rote, it's on a schedule every single week, we're going to be rotating bodies in and out. So we have a huge staff here at Warchant.com, a lot of people, a lot of experts, a lot of opinions. Uh, so there's going to be me sometimes hosting, sometimes Jeff, who has been the host all fall long, Aslan, and then Ira might be uh, taking the weekend off every once in a while for Corey, uh, Gene, Michael Langston, Austin, and then we'll also have some guests along as well. So we are so thrilled you are here to join us for the Sunday Smash. If you've not done so yet, please like the video below if you're on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Every time you do that, you help us out here at Warchan TV. But the feel here, Ira, is just going to be relaxed. Uh, this is my first uh, go around with you on the Sunday Smash. How's it going tonight? Good, man. When you were saying uh, we got a lot of people at Warchan, I was thinking this is like the FSU receiver transfer portal. We're, we're throwing bodies at it. We're just throwing bodies at the, at the problem, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it all works out. Boy, yeah, I know that there is a visitor, uh, Winston Wright from West Virginia this weekend as well. But yeah, Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, uh, Winston Wright, Deuce Span. My goodness, that whole segment group. Um, you know, we'll see obviously what the position coach meeting uh, or position coach job looks like in the next two, three weeks. Uh, you'll either see extension or, or, you know, replacement come in. That room is going to be completely different, Ira, when they go into those little meeting rooms for the receivers. Yeah, and it's about time. Uh, I mean, you know, this is really two to three years now where Florida State has not had a deep threat at all, really, since, you know, yeah, I'd say it's 2019. I mean, Tamari and Terry, um, you know, gave a couple of glimpses in 2020 before he left the team. Uh, but then once he was gone, they had no deep threats. And then obviously 2021, they didn't. Uh, you know, Andrew Parchment was supposed to be that guy, possibly. You know, he gave him some moments, but it wasn't consistent. Uh, and then you're back to, you know, throwing deep balls to, you know, Pokey Wilson and Keyshawn Helton. And guys, that, that's not really what they can do. It, assuming they're back in 2022, which we do believe they will be, now you can use them as more of slot guys, more, more underneath, if you've got some other receivers who could possibly stretch the field. Now, Winston, Winston Wright, 
I haven't seen him play a lot. The kid from West Virginia, if he, if Florida State gets him, uh, we expect a decision pretty soon from him. He visited campus this weekend, and, and the indications from Michael, we'll talk to Michael a little bit later in the show, seem to be pretty positive. If they get him, he's a guy that's been very productive at West Virginia, but not necessarily a home run threat either. I think he averages you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 yards a catch. So it's not necessarily a home run guy, but definitely a proven receiver. Uh, and maybe Pittman with his speed and, and Deuce Fan and, and uh, Johnny Wilson could be guys who help stretch the field. Well, if nothing else, Ira, you know, the transfer portal makes spring football that much more fun because, I mean, the roster overhaul from fall to spring is not just about early enrollees anymore. It's, and when you're in a position like Florida State is where you're chasing and you've, you've got to flip rooms, you've got to flip segment groups, you know, spring camp, again, when you get that roster from the people over at Sports Information, you're going to need it that first day because there are just so many new people that are a part of camp. And it's going to make the coverage of it that much more fun here at Warchant and Warchant TV. But obviously that's not the only thing that's happened to everybody. You know, Florida State has hit the transfer portal hard. Linebackers, Jared Verse on Friday. That was a that was a huge get for FSU. Pass rusher. Uh, and yeah, and with three years of eligibility, which is the key thing to me. Um, you know, Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas made their mark on this program big time, but they could only be here for one fall. You've got a player now for three years at, at maximum in Jared Verse, so that's huge too. But then last night, Florida State beats Louisville. You know, Vegas, they are just unreal. When that line opened up at four and a half, got to five for Louisville, um, being the underdog to Florida State, after what we had seen with FSU getting blown out by Wake Forest, I, I mean, what was your initial reaction to that? Because mine was, hmm, if you've got a guy, maybe you call the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it's funny. It was one of those things where I saw the line, I was, I was surprised as well. Louisville was 4-0 in the ACC, and it looked pretty good. And, and you know, it's not like they've beaten the best teams in the conference, but they've gotten off to a good start. Florida State looks so bad the, the last game out. Uh, but then I started thinking, well, you know, Leonard Hamilton has owned Chris Mack. Yep. Uh, going back to when Chris Mack, the end of his time at Xavier, uh, I think it's a real matchup problem. The way Florida State switches defensively is a real headache for his offense because they run a lot of sets. He wants to run a lot of sets, and Florida State switching really throws a monkey wrench into that. So – um, you know, I, I saw Chris Mack in the parking lot, uh, looking at his phone after the game. And I, I almost wanted to go over and give him a little hug. It's going to be all right, man. Leonard Hamilton's not going to coach forever, Chris. It, at some point, uh, he's going to move on. I know, uh, Adrian, Adrian Crawford's going to join us soon. And he's, yep. uh, he's got some insights on that as well. Oh, there you go. That's uh, it's kind of like the tonight show. We've got a great show for you, everybody tonight. Adrian <laughs> Crawford is going to be here or, or Saturday night live. Adrian Crawford will join us in the next, Oh, about five minutes or so. And uh, he's going to be along for the ride for about 15 or 20 minutes. We're going to have a chat, see where we think uh, Florida state basketball is at large after the long COVID break. And, and obviously smash hasn't been on in some time. So we've got catching up to do there. And then uh, around the bottom of the hour, 7.30, 7.35, somewhere in there, Michael Langston's going to join the program as well because transfer portal recruiting, it never stops. And I saw from Mark, we appreciate you, Mark, for your uh, contribution to the program uh, when the final player rankings come out. Do you know when? That's a question for our second guest tonight. We will ask uh, Michael if there are any revisions uh, to the player rankings. I saw that, according to whatever services out there, have transfer class rankings. Florida State is at the top. Um a lot of quality, a lot of quantity for FSU in the transfer portal. But uh, Michael is going to break all that down as well. So tonight, yeah. Ira, you and I are just going to shoot the breeze, and then uh, we've got a couple of people and experts to, to bring on to talk about the sports and the recruiting. Yeah, Michael might have a more firm answer. I do know that the All-Star Games is kind of the, the, fa the final piece of the equation um, before they come out with those final rankings because you know, Rivals and, and all the sites, but Rivals has had their people at the Under Armour game. They had people in, in uh, Texas – 
uh, for the U.S. Army All-America Bowl. So they've got one more chance to see those guys go up against elite competition. So they'll revise those rankings. I, there's a chance, you know, we were a little bit worried about when Travis, when we thought Travis Hunter was coming to Florida State, uh, we were a little bit worried about whether or not he might drop to number two at some point because there's, yep. there have been a couple of guys that have really stepped up um, late in the seat, late in their high school seasons and playoffs. And then now that Travis has dropped off, but, um, you know, now that he's at Jackson, Jackson State, we don't care. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he holds on to that number one spot. Kevin Coleman's joining him. You see that, Ira? Yes. <laughs> what the hell's going on? I mean, I think we kind of get the drill here. Think- you know, it's probably to me, I know Michael disagrees with this, and, and maybe we can talk to him about it, but um, I think it's 80 20 money to Dion. But Dion does have a, a little bit of a hand in here because he's charismatic and uh, he can pitch it. But if you've got the goods behind it, the kids are saying yes to Jackson State. Go figure. I'm sure on the boards there was some schadenfreude, maybe just a little bit, aimed towards the University of Miami. But how about that before we bring on uh, our first guest? Well, I think, you know, the fact that Dion's son is a quarterback, I think he's like, all right, let me yep. go get some guys for my for my kid to throw to. Yep. He, he's got to do a little bit of work on the offensive line. I saw them play in their, uh, in their bowl game, uh, whatever, national championship game, whatever it was, against um, South Carolina State. And uh, their offensive line had a tough, tough afternoon. It sounded like that's how their season went. So he might need to get some big uglies to help him out. But his his son's a nice – Shador's a nice quarterback. They've got some weapons. And, yeah, man, it's a lot better to see Kevin Coleman there than at University of Miami for sure. Yeah, and it's just funny to say, hey, it doesn't only happen to Florida State because on signing day when we had that eight-hour event, it felt like it could only happen to FSU. So the Dion effect is is reaching into other places in the state of Florida. But we'll get back to recruiting and uh, FSU football stuff in a little bit. It's now time to bring on a friend of Warchant.com. He is with IMG Network as well as Florida State's color analyst for Florida State basketball. It's Adrian, Adrian Crawford. What's up, Adrian? How are you? What's up, fellas? How are you guys doing today? I'm, I'm, I feel bad, man. I got, I got my apologies to you. I ate all the Laffy Taffy. I was going to offer you some. But it's I ate it all. I couldn't stop. Why don't you eat that banana laffy taffy, Tom? Tom, where do you stand on banana laffy taffy? Uh, I abstain because I've never had it. So I suppose maybe that's a challenge for a future rotation when I'm back. No, in. Tom. Tom, listen. There's no need to even try it. It's literally it's the it's what literally they tracked Bin Laden down because he ate banana <laughs> laffy taffy. It's like it, literally it's terrorist treats. So I don't even know. Like like every time I was like, I want banana laffy taffy. I mean, I'm like, word like. No one does that. I mean, it's just uh, – I mean, you're the same guy probably ate, like, you know, like the yellow Starburst. I really like those. Like, <laughs> I'm a pink Starburst guy, but I like the banana Laffy Taffy. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, talk to us about the Knowles last night. It's, uh, it's a good thing we had you on tonight, not after uh, the Wake Forest game. <laughs> yeah, they uh, – last night it was uh, – again, they came out great. Again, you know, uh, the biggest thing with this team has just been – Who's going to be that guy? You know, every year you've had that guy. You've had, you know, Trent Forrest. You had Terrence Mann. You had Fiondu Kamangeli. You had last year Scotty Barnes. You have MJ Walker. And no one's really emerged this year. Um, but I remember, I, we talked right before the game. And I was like, you know, I looked at like Caleb Mills is that guy. I mean, he is a guy with the, with the talent level, skill level. Um, and he's just got the it factor. Um, and I think that, you know, and the two guys, I think him, I think the other guy is actually, you know, again, Matthew Cleveland, and they both came out and played really, really well last night. So, again, it was a good bounce back. I mean, it gets a very good basketball team. And, again, even the you even look, I mean, Chris Mack, I mean, he went into the portal just as did Mike White to try to beat teams like Florida State because they always talk about how they got out tough. And he had some tough guys. I mean, big number 21. I mean, he, like he the uh, – 
like he does like off duty uh, security at the local clubs in Louisville. You know what I mean? Like he used to work for like force, used to sing in force MDs or something like that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, big strong body. But again, I think overall it was just, I mean, Florida State came out and they, uh, they did a good job. Yeah, I saw Chris Mack's press conference. I like to watch those because that gave us a lot of gifts over the years, one of which was um, we got manhandled, which we use on the Cameron Show all the time. Uh, and then last year he was so put off by what happened in the Yum Center. You remember that game where it was just, I mean, that, that game was over early. And he said, I know some fans like to ask, you know, what the hell is happening to us? We ask the same question. So every time that Chris Mack talks in the postgame, I tune in. And, and Adrian, he, he was asked the question, Given what Florida State has not been able to execute against the zone, did you did you think you'd run some zone principles at him? And he said, well, we ran a lot of things in the first half, but you wouldn't have known it because everything that they threw up was going to go in. And uh, he said, thankfully, Caleb Mills was in a little bit of foul trouble. He might have scored 50. Uh, but your thoughts on the disparity, Adrian, between not only last night, first half, second half, but that's kind of the season so far for FSU where there are stretches where you can see it, especially on the offensive side. And then there are droughts where, I mean, especially if you're sitting courtside on the radio, that's got to be tough. Uh, <laughs> how do you make sense of it all so far? Because it just, to me, from the outside, it, it's hard to pinpoint just where this club is, where this program is. Yeah, I think we have to remember is this. I think um, the loss of Raekwon Gray and the loss of also Cobra Vita have really been a thing. Because, I mean, if you really think about it, um, you have, you know, this team has always been, this team has built success off fourth, fifth year guys. And though we do have Wyatt and we do have Polite, um, we do have Raekwon Evans, you know, what you're doing and what's really a struggle right now for this group is because you're having to be so dependent on so many young guys play significant minutes. In the past, you had one or two guys. I mean, now, I mean, you talk about their stretches. There were stretches last night where, I mean, your first uh, set of rotations that really come in, all five of those guys are all newcomers to the program. And so this team is trying to find really its identity, and they're trying to figure it out. I mean, John Butler, I mean, he is hes I mean, he is having to be dependent on to play some significant minutes. And right now, he's learning the game of college basketball. And so that is what I think has been the hard thing, is that you have so many newcomers, and um, and it's those guys have had to be dependent. And they haven't had the, the luxury of growing. They haven't had the luxury of sitting behind. Fiondo Camagelli had the luxury – of being behind Michael Ojo. He had the luxury of sitting there getting his tail kicked by Jonathan Isaac. Um, and, you know, Naheem McLeod is thrown right into the fire. And so um, I think as the year goes on, I think they're going to figure it out. But I think you're going to see some of these ups and downs just because of their youth. Adrian, um, Leonard made a comment last night that that Caleb has tried to be unselfish, tried to be unselfish and try to fit in. Um, you know, and, and, and try to not take over games. Last night in the first half of that game, he took it over like, I mean, it, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen somebody take over a game the way he did, especially the first half. You might see a guy down the stretch, um, but in the first half of that game, man, he was, it was, it was almost give, the, the give and go, give me the ball and get the hell out of the way. Yeah. And uh, is he need to be, can he do that? How often can he do that? Uh -huh. And is, is that something this team needs? Yeah, but see, it, it's true. He's going to have to be that guy. But what he did last night in the first half that's been different in the past is the fact that 
Caleb got it going within the context of the system. One of the things with him is that he's trying to figure out how to actually play uh, where he does, where he's not all the time coming in off a high pick and roll all the time, being a ball dominant guy. And last night, what he did was that the ball got moving from side to side. It didn't stick in their hands. That was the one thing that was, this is probably the most impressive I've seen them run half court offense as far as how fast the sharp cuts when the ball's hitting on the wing, them lifting, and when the ball's moving like that, and then a guy like him with his speed, with his skill set, and he gets on that third or fourth pass, and you're trying to recover after coming from some help or something like that, it's just really difficult. And then he's one of those guys, when he starts making shots, it gets really, really dangerous. And so you start and you see him make a shot, and then all of a sudden, then he makes that incredible kick to Wyatt Wilkes in the corner, and then all of a sudden, now he starts popping, and he gets going, and then, you know, he's got that old man game. It's crazy. He's like, I mean, my man plays like he's like a hood legend, but, you know, but he's so explosive. I mean, he, he shoots the fade-offs, and so he's just going to have to be that guy this year. I think for this team because I think he has the talent, um, and I think he just has that it factor. So, Adrian, uh, I, I guess a question about this program this season because there's been the 1.0 with Leonard Hamilton, which was junkyard dog, and then you get a bunch of blue chippers, one and done types over the span of about five years, where you can play it anywhere you want it, up tempo, more possessions, uh, embracing the analytics. This year seems to be about trying to outscore opponents rather than trying to hold it down and, and uh, cause a drought on the defensive end in the half court. And I think that's probably from, you know, the absence of Balsa with him leaving and departing. It just, it seems like on the offensive glass, we have a hard time uh, pulling the ball down. And, uh, and that's defensively speaking, of course, if, if the opponent's making or missing, but it seems to me like we, we need to outscore teams at higher amounts than lower amounts this year with this program. Would you agree with that? Or am I off base there? Well, I would say, I think this team has a chance, even going into the year, the, a lot of the conversation was how good they could be defensively. But what's become the what's been a little bit of the issue and the problem has been that this team, um, the way Florida State plays, um, you have to really understand concepts. You know, you would think it's easy just switching, but how we pick up full court, there's a real system to how we actually play full court. There's a real system of what we call being, uh, you know, being on the midline and and covering up. And so what is tend to happen is that because we've had such breakdowns, yes, you're right. Then it's like, we're like, okay, how do we score? How do we score? How do we score? Um, and I also think not only losing Boston, but Raekwon, uh, Raekwon Gray was just so good. I mean, you could switch him one through five. Um, and he could guard people. And so I think that losing those guys did impact us defensively. Um, but you see with this group, we're just not – we're until last night, we aren't great in a half-court offense. This team, I believe, to be successful, it has to be actually on the defensive end, and we have to score in transition. I mean, when that ball's up, we have to run. Because we're not great in a half-court, we have got to constantly keep movement going. And I think that throughout uh, this year – we even saw in the second half last night – is that we got stagnant. These guys weren't cutting at the same same pace they were moving at the same pace and when we do that we go no scoring drops yeah you uh it's it's a great point because i thought the transition game was huge last night and and they can't, obviously they can't do that if they don't get stops and then you look at the wake forest game they couldn't get stops they were either in the first half they kept getting bailed out with fouls and going to the free throw line and then in the second you can't run after that in the second half wake just started making shots and florida state kind of i think just kind of got out of their game because they were down so big but um I think when you look at this team, I thought Naheem, I, I thought they gave Naheem a little bit more run last night, which I was glad to see because he does make a difference defensively, right? I mean, he's a, he's the only guy they have until Tenor comes back who can really kind of protect the rim. 
Yeah, listen, Naheem McLeod is growing up in front of our eyes. Again, I got to come up with a nickname for him. Right now, I'm kind of landing on the landlord because whenever you come in that basket, like, he gets it, rent's due. You know I mean? He put it on the glass last night. He ran. The one thing, he's keeping the ball high. Uh, he was able to get it. You know, he had a couple dunks. Again, he caught it in the post. I mean, you know, you think about Balsa was able to do that some, but, I mean, he caught it in the post. He's done it a couple times in a couple games recently where he's caught in the post and over his left shoulder. Last night, he caught it and quick spin one over his right shoulder. So you're seeing him grow up uh, right before us, and he's going to have to be uh, really important. But, again, you look at him, he's a first-year guy, and you guys all know that with bigs, it takes some time to develop. I mean, we see, you know, you think about, the, you know, the late, great Michael Ojo. It took Ojo right to around his junior year, halfway to his senior year, to where Ojo was really, really effective for us. And so, I mean, imagine Ojo his freshman year and see where Naheem McLeod's at. I mean, like Naheem just far ahead of where Ojo was at. And so, but it still takes time. And so right now, I mean, again, he's going to have to be that guy. I think Malik Osborne's got to play some five for us, uh, stay in that spot. And we're just going to have to do it by committee until we can get to Norback. So, Adrian, um, can you make sense of the ACC? Because it, it seems to be just a, a, a big cluster. And, you know, <laughs> Miami's coming to town on Tuesday night. Uh, they're undefeated in the conference. Uh, Louisville was right there as of Saturday. Miami's going to be ranked, I would think, in all likelihood tomorrow. But, I mean, you got on the broadcast last night, the TV broad, the broadcast, that is. And, folks, you can just put that on mute and, and find Adrian. And you can listen to Adrian <laughs> and, and Gene. And, actually, really quickly, we want to send our, our thoughts to, uh, to Gene uh, Deckerhoff who was uh, in COVID protocol. That was announced today by the Buccaneers radio network. I don't know if last night you announced it on the uh, Seminole uh, radio network, but um, Gene Deckerhoff, please get better. Uh, We look forward to hearing your calls later on the season. Uh, But I guess, Adrian, yeah, what what do you think? Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. What's really hard is that, you know, we always say 2020, like, you know, across the board changed the whole world, right? Um, and you know, it changed college athletics. And here's why I say that is because why the ACC is so wild is because now with, you know, the, the, the new introduction, new rules where you can transfer everybody in the portal is that it's, you have so many teams grabbing so many guys. And so, you know, you even look at like Miami, I mean, Miami has a team of just a bunch of old dudes. And you have no idea how they're going to mesh together. Will they be good? Will they not be good? And so all of a sudden they're met, they're playing well and they go to Cameron and they get a, a big win. Duke is relatively young. And so again, you know, you got vets who got a lot of mileage. I mean, I think you got a couple six year guys on that team. And so I think it's just, and again, you know, you look at Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest, I forgot the kid's name who played really well against the other night. I mean, he averaged eight points at Oklahoma, and now he's averaging 21. Now he's on everybody's draft board. It's because now the game, college basketball is getting older. But you don't know before you could tell, okay, this team's going to be good. They're going to be good here because you could see last year. But now everybody, I mean, literally, it's turned into a little bit like professional sports in the sense of where it's really one or two years, you know, and you don't know what they have. So I think we won't really see what's going to happen in the ACC uh, for about, I think, another five or seven games to kind of see where people are actually landing. I mean, you can see, I mean, think about a Missouri team who we beat, you know, handling almost 30 some odd points. I mean, then they play, and they have their six and seven, and then they play Alabama, and I mean, and really dominate Alabama at Missouri. So right now, college athletics is just, I mean, with the change of rules, it's just really wild. And I think that we won't really be able to see how good teams are really until like halfway through, I think, uh, the actual conference play. 
Yeah, that makes right. sense to me, Adrian. Real, real quick, let me follow up. Sorry, Ira. Um, no, because on the TV side, that before I, I brought up the note about Gene Deckerhoff, the TV side, they were saying that maybe it would take as many as 14 conference wins in order to make it as an at-large in the ACC. I don't think more than two or three teams in the ACC could get to that number. That, to me, seems awfully high. Yeah. You know, like So to follow up real quick, I understand that maybe the, the real teams and the pretenders will know in about six weeks or four to six weeks from now. But 14 wins as a barometer for an at-large bid in the ACC is pretty high, isn't it, Adrian? I mean, you know, above 500 should be enough, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think it should be. And, and again, we don't know because here's what's happened. All the other leagues that are happening, like I said, Alabama. I mean, Alabama's got about, you know, they've got about three losses this year. You know, I think they lost to Iona. Um, and, you know, they lose last night. I mean, yesterday to Missouri. So, like, a team that's top 15, they've got some bad losses. And so we just don't know how this is going to play out across all conferences. And so I think right now everyone's kind of like, honestly, it's kind of like politics. It's like it's we live in a completely different world now and everybody wants to have the electoral map and here's what's going to happen. And every time they do it now, it doesn't work. And I think that's what we're about to see in college athletics is that things that we've known pre-2020 are just kind of out the window now. And I think we're just going to have to figure out the rhythm. So I think it's way too high. And I think we'll actually see way more teams actually get in. I just want to, yeah, I just want to follow up on that point because I think it's really valid. And, and I think the reason we need to look at this season differently if you're a Florida State fan and be a little bit more patient, uh, and this is just from talking to you and talking to other people around the program, some of those teams that brought in those, those fifth-year transfers, those six-year guys some in some cases, like a Florida, like Wake Forest, um, like Miami – you would expect maybe those teams are actually going if they, to, if they mesh at all, they're going to be a little bit better early in the year because they got these older dudes. Uh -huh. Florida State's got a young team. Duke, as you said, has got a young team. Those teams are going to continue to get better, whereas you would think maybe some of those teams that brought in those older transfers, this may be as good as they get. I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, We'll see how it plays out. But, but that would be, to your point, why a reason maybe you look at this a little bit differently than you would uh, during a normal season. Adrian, somebody just asked, uh, when we're bringing the back in the black and mild? And uh, I know we don't have an announcement, but you were, you just brought up politics. So I thought we needed to, uh, yeah. to address it. Listen, we, we, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm down. This between, you know, listen, you, I mean, you know, you're, you're having the, I mean, Mike Norvell, I mean, you're camping out with him in the portal. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You got your little two bedroom, two baths in the portal, you know, with, with Mike Norvell. So you don't have time. You know, Corey goes to volunteer Florida, you know, now all of a sudden he's Mr. Political. So it's just me, you know? And so I'm waiting on you guys. You know what I mean? Again, I'm over here just out here. I'm playing one, you know, I'm it's one on five, but you know, I would love for the black and mild to come back. I mean, we get, we get, we get, the world needs it. Well, season three is going to be coming up soon. Also, we had another question. And Matthew, if you could bring it up. Ace Teamer said he remembers you back from the days uh, in Tallahassee. If you could see that. He said uh, he was friends with Jarrett White, who was an FSU yeah, yeah. family baseball guy. And you, you got you used to ride to church, church with those guys. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a small I world here. That. It is a very, very, it's a very, very small world. And so, guys, I'll tell you what, we are in for a treat for the rest, I mean, for the rest of the season. Again, I think we're going to, everybody's going to have to be patient with this team. They're going to be up and down. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, Coach Ham, you know, what he's amazing at is adjustments. And so here's the adjustment. You know, he's built on, you know, hey, four or five-year guys, so on and so forth, and keeping the culture. What makes this team great is the culture. I had the privilege of speaking to the team before the Louisville game. And one of the questions I asked these guys, I asked a question about, man, you know, what? tell me a choice you made in your life that's really been significant for you. And it was resounding. I was asking these guys every last one. I mean, I, I had five or six of the guys. I was kind of pointing real quick. And all of them said, oh, coming to Florida State. 
they were like, it's made me a better player, made me a better man. And the truth is this, the culture. What makes this team great is the culture. Yeah, we've had talent, but it's the culture. And to build culture and you get all those guys to adapt to it, it's just really, really difficult. And so I think that coach is going to have to, you know, even going into next year, are we going to grab players from the portal or not? How will all that work? But what I do know is that, you know, there's no one better, you know, than adjustments, you know, than Leonard Hamilton. He has that ability. You know how it is. Last year we go into, you know, we go into COVID, you know, we're down for, you know, we're out for like 14 days last year. Next thing you know, we come back even better. Or, you know, we're losing five games in a row. Next thing you know, we run off, you know, in the ACC and stuff like that. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, and this team just going to have to just keep grinding it out. Yeah, one last thing, Tom. Adrian, you got all those pops behind you. Can you pick a favorite one? Or is it like kids? You, you can't pick your favorite pop. Oh, uh, you know what? Let me see. My, What's your new newest favorite one? My newest favorite one probably is going to be um, – Man, I've got – oh, man, you're right. It's really hard. But I will say I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick one right now, right here. I'm going to pick these two. You got Lance Bean, Billy Riser. You can see this. These are two dudes from Contra. All right? So for all the 80, for all the 80s babies out there right now, you got the two guys from Contra right here. So up, up, down, down, left, right, BA, select, start. So those are my two favorite right now. Also got Brett the Hitman hard up here. Um, I got all the offers. I mean, listen. It's become a thing, man. I'm sorry. It's just, it's you know, white men can't jump. Spike Lee. I mean, you know, Goonies. It's well, just hey, when we start your uh, your weekly basketball show on themorechant.com, we'll have people people can send you in pops like uh, like they Dude. do for uh, for Sports Center or whatever. Let me tell you this. That's like, listen, I know you guys get all the tips and all stuff. Yeah, just send me Funko pops. We're good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So. Well, thanks, Adrian. We appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll be checking in with you uh, a lot for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully no more no more postponements. Everything's on time. Things are played well, and, and FSU continues to get better. But we appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. You guys take care. Thanks, man. Right, thanks. That is Adrian Crawford, a friend of the program uh, here uh, on Sunday Smash across War Chance uh, offerings, WarChant.com, WarChant TV. I see Michael Langston is in the green room. Uh, Michael, one thing. Not seeing your camera active, so uh, if you grab that, then we'll we'll bring you aboard. But Ira, your thoughts so far on uh, on FSU basketball? I mean, you know, from what Leonard Hamilton said, in media availability. I think it was this past week. They don't even practice. They haven't had time to practice together hardly as a complete team because of injury issues and and COVID. How are you supposed to get better when you're, you got to get better on the court during games, and that's going to look ugly at times? Yeah, mostly it was the yeah the COVID. I mean, they just there was a rotation of guys in the protocol. Coaches in the protocol. Corey wrote a story last week, I think a week or two ago, about you know they, they had a couple of practices or at least one practice where they only had one coach available because all the coaches were in protocol. So uh, it's been tough. But you know Leonard Hamilton always points out that you know every college basketball team in the country is dealing with it. I do think it's maybe particularly tough with a young team and a team that's got so many new pieces, um, you know, kind of coming together. And then they have had some injuries as well, as you mentioned to Norton Nagam. I mean that was a big. You know, Adrian talked about. The thing with um, uh, the Naheem McLeod needing some more time to develop. It's his first year in the program. Well, this was why I was so excited about Tenor Nagam in 2022. We, we had the running joke about it because I know that that's what Stan Jones does with big men. That second year, they really develop at a high rate. And I was really excited to see what he could do. And then he got hurt. Hopefully he'll be back at some point to help out. But Naheem McLeod has had to kind of be, uh, they've had to microwave it a little bit 
And uh, but he's super talented, man. That kid's going to be really good. Yeah, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. You saw that even way back when when he originally committed FSU um, from the Philly area, New Jersey Philly area, and you could see that. All right, he understands that part of the game of basketball. It's just a matter of refining it. And to Adrian's credit, I mean, it, it's 100% salient. If FSU it does anything here with uh, non-traditional one and dones, they develop players. But it's just this is a tough year. You lost a lot of, of players that you thought might hold over. You know, Trent Forrest was here for a long time, and that was what put Florida State over the top in 2020. When you don't have that in reserve too much, you got Malik Osborne and Anthony Polite, but you don't have many more answers like that. It just it gets tough. But uh, this week, Tuesday night, 8 p.m., Miami comes to town. Then Florida State hits the road to take on Syracuse again. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn the first time those two teams played, and that was down here in Tallahassee. One and one this week. Would you take it if I gave it to you right now, Ira? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, look, the, the, and, you know, Caleb uh, Mills talked about last night. I mean, they just got to, they got to be defending home and then steal some games on the road uh, and then give themselves a chance. But, um, you know, I think that when you look at uh, where they're at right now, I mean, I do think that there's, last night was real encouraging because that Wake Forest game was so ugly. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was a worst case scenario, I think. That game, between the officiating, being on the road, just a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, last night was huge for them. And if they could stock, stack up another win, the Miami win to me is more important because, you know, again, defending home, if you can steal one at Syracuse, that's great. But, man, you, you got to defend home. They already do have that one loss earlier against Syracuse. So uh, we are efforting Michael Langston. Uh, it's just a technical issue with his uh, camera. Actually, I'll, I'll let you behind the scenes, guys. Uh, this happened on signing day at like 7.55 a.m where Michael's camera was not working and we had that huge broadcast ready to go uh, where we were going to start at 8 a.m. And there was uh, maybe a little bit of panic between Aslan and myself and Michael behind the scenes. But as soon as we get him back and available, we'll bring him up. So uh, Ira, I'll pivot then to uh, FSU football and recruiting real quick. And we'll talk about the transfer portal. We mentioned the receivers, uh, but out of the guys that are coming in, and Ed, we really appreciate it. That is uh, the godfather of Wake Up War Chant, Mr. Ed Lemmix, uh, DeLuna Coffee. That's DeLunaCoffee.com. Um, your favorite of the guys that are coming in from the portal, Ira, do you have one yet? Uh, are you going to walk into spring ball with a little bit of prejudice saying, that's my guy, or are you going to wait and see? Uh, you know, I'll probably wait and see. Right now, what, so they've got eight guys so far. Uh, Jared Verse is the, the most high profile, as you mentioned earlier, uh, not only because he's a pass rusher, but he's a guy that, uh, even though he was at Albany, which is a school you don't necessarily hear a lot about. He came out of Pennsylvania, was not highly recruited. I think he was very undersized coming out, blew up at Albany. And when he went in the portal, I mean, he had over 30, I think 37 offers um, and from everybody. I mean, just a couple of days ago, Texas got involved. I mean, obviously Miami was involved. A lot of schools really were coming after him. So he's a guy that you think can you really, I don't know if he's going to be Jermaine Johnson. My guess is he won't be, um, but it's a position of need. He's an impact player, and he seems like a really cool, good dude. I mean, just some of the things we've heard about how he handled the process. He and his mother were very deliberate about the entire process. Uh, the fact in, in Michael's story that people can read up at Warchant.com, the in-depth interview, he talked about contacting all 37 schools after he decided to, to thank them for their interest and the way they recruit him. I mean, that's pretty cool, man. And, uh, and I think when you see him play, it's, re it's indicative of the way he plays. He seems like a conscientious kid. Um, so he's definitely top of the list. I'm really excited about Micah Pittman, though. Um, he's a guy I think's got some some stuff to him. I think he's got some swagger. He's got his YouTube channel with his uh, girlfriend, who is a basketball player. He's uh, he definitely wants to be that marquee guy. And I think at receiver, you need that. I mean, they've got some nice kids at wide receiver. I don't mind a diva at wide receiver. 
And I'm not saying he's definitely a diva, yeah. but I, I think you need somebody that's got a little swagger to him at that position. And uh, I think he, Micah Pittman's a guy that can bring it. You might be suggesting he's a diva, Ira, if he has his own social media network. Hey. You're not saying it. I'm going to say it for you. It's the right. smash. We could be more relaxed about yeah, it. Uh, right. But let, let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Michael Langston is the uh, the recruiting expert, and he has been forever at Warchant.com. And, Michael, your your calendar over the last couple of years of like when the busy season is has to have been just this ridiculous roller coaster because now you know it, it's not just about early signing day and uh, the, the old signing day for the, the remainder of recruits, but the transfer portal waits for no one. Not even on New Year's Day at midnight does the transfer portal wait for anybody uh, when it comes to FSU. So welcome to the program, Michael. And uh, what's the last, oh, I don't know, 72 hours been like for you? And feel free to take it where you like uh, with the latest developments for FSU. Well, I appreciate it, Tom. Um, you should have heard the reaction that Ira had when I texted Ira about there yeah. was a New Year's commitment yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a, that was a, I think I need to go back and look at it. There was definitely some profanities involved. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's nonstop. Um, usually we're recruiting, you know, I'm usually done by February. I go on vacation, chill, you know, now it goes all the way up to July sometimes, you know, uh, just with recruiting. So, you know, it's, it's very hectic. Uh, portal recruiting is totally different than high school kids. Just hitting a high school kid up is not the same as, you know, portal. Cause they've been through this stuff. I mean, think I, I touched on the, you know, the verse article and, and sir, I had a really good time talking to Jared. I mean, we talked for like 30 minutes and, you know, I was messing with him, joking with him. Uh, he was telling me, we, we were just laughing about how he broke his commitment to coach Norbell and coach JP kind of mess with him. And uh, he felt kind of bad about it, but it, it's, it's definitely uh, more rewarding. It keeps you more on your toes with the way portal recruiting is now where you're just nonstop. You don't have a chance. And, you know, as I talk to you guys, I'm, I'm waiting on another one, you know, as far as a decision coming soon tonight. So uh, it's just nonstop, Tom. I mean, you cannot prepare for it. It's like being a doctor. I'm always on call. Well, uh, okay. Do- so Dr. I- Langston, we got, we, got, <laughs> we got a new nickname for Michael, the doctor. He's on call. Tom. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as it as it pertains to the business side of the of the doctor's office, I guess Michael is, is somebody <laughs> like. Do they get text alerts or phone alerts when a name enters the portal? How is Florida State seemingly always in the first two or three? Uh, every time we hear about a kid who is either considering Florida State, they may not come here, or the kids who do, Florida State is always within the first two or three schools to reach out to a player who enters the portal. How the hell are are they on call at all times like you are? Like how does it work? Yeah, I think I think how that works is really they get they have people that are close to the recruitment or close to the kid that they feel like is likely to go in. And then once they get in, it's like, hey, coach, he's in. Um, and and so that's kind of how the communication works. And then FSU goes from there because FSU usually has a good feel of a guy that's going in. Obviously, you can't talk to him until they're in there, but that's kind of how the process works. Of They get a feeling they get some sources around uh, the prospect uh, or the player, and then you get a heads up. And then as soon as he's in there, bam, you know, they start hitting him up. So how would you grade, Michael, um, wide receiver recruiting this year personally? Because there's two stories. There's the high school side, which – and then yeah. there's the transfer portal side, which is okay, because you got multi-year commitments, meaning you have multi, multiple years of eligibility for the guys that are coming in, and, and there may be another one on deck here soon. Yeah. So overall, if you take a look at that and you're assessing how Florida State treated the position this offseason, how would you grade it? 
Well, the gray, the high school grade would certainly be an F because you didn't get anybody. I mean, you didn't <laughs> sign anybody. Uh, obviously, from a portal standpoint, it's a combination of both of them. So if, as you're grading the class, you know, I would give them probably a B plus so far. If they get the kid I think they're going to get, I would probably move it up to A minus if they get that because that's, to me, that's four guys. Um, the last guy probably has more production than the other one, but the reason you you get all these guys is to change their roster. Their roster needs a change of skill. Uh, they need more size. Malik McLean was the only guy I think above six two that was on their roster or or six three. So I I think they really had to change the one their size and also the speed they're bringing in. The Deuce Span kid runs in the four three range or a little a little higher, uh, but he's fast. He adds a lot. Uh, Ira touched on Micah Pittman. He catches everything. He's got a high catch radius. He catches everything close. And then, you know, Johnny Wilson is six foot seven. I mean, when's the last time they had a six foot seven receiver? So uh, he has a lot of length and problems and matchup issues. And that's what they want to bring with this group is adding more matchup issues that are going to cause problems for the defense. Because bottom line is they need an influx as far as talent in on this roster room. It's just not great. There's a lot of confident receivers. Certainly, Pokey Wilson turned it on uh, late in the year. We know Malik McLean has been up and down and pretty good. But besides that, you know, there's not a lot of top guys that you can count on. There's certainly not a wide receiver one in that group. So I think they knew that and and they went out there and they aggressively went after these kids that, you know, are going to change their wide receiver room and going to change their passing game. Yeah, you know, I was, you know, coming out of signing this early, the uh, early signing period in early December when everyone was losing their minds, partly because of Travis Hunter, but then also, you know, there was a lot of high profile misses, Marvin Jones, Tyree West, um, and then coming up empty at wide receiver. But the one, the, my only thought about the wide receiver position, I'm, I'm curious your take, but like, I wasn't that mad because I looked at it like, are you better off? Cause a lot of people would say, okay, well, why didn't they have backup plans? So you didn't get Kevin Coleman where it doesn't look like going to him, but where's your backup plans? And the, the kid, uh, the kid from South Florida flipped to Louisville. Yeah. And, but my thought is, I don't know, man, wide receivers, it's hard for freshman wide receivers to come in and make a, a big impact. We just don't ever see it. Rashad Green did it, uh, but there haven't been many. And so I was like, instead of just going out and signing more Darian Williamson's, no offense to Darian Williamson or, or, or uh, Keyshawn Helton's or whoever, let's see what's in the portal. And, and I just feel like that that, it, and I didn't know that they were going to go out and try to sign four of them, but I, but I, that's why I wasn't too upset about the receiver position because they need help today. They don't need guys that are going to develop, develop for two or three, two or three years. Now these guys aren't all proven products, but, but I don't, you feel like getting four guys out of the portal might put you in a better position than if you had gotten maybe two high school guys and two, two portal guys, at least for this year for right now. Yeah, I, I think I, I wasn't that upset what they did in high school. I guess I guess the one that bothered me the most was Devon Mortimer, who who flipped to Louisville, sure. because he's going to add a lot to special teams. So we've seen that as being a big problem with FSU. They need help with special teams. He's certainly explosive. He's fast. I wasn't so much bothered by the Kevin uh, Coleman thing, just because, I mean, that's going to happen. You're going against top teams. Look, you're, you're five and seven, so it's going to be a challenge to – you get these kids, but yeah, to Irish point, yeah, from an immediate impact standpoint, it's better to have portal guys, especially what their need is. I think they were always going to take uh, around two to four guys is from the portal anyway. Um, but I think uh, just not having somebody and just having that big flat zero, it's kind of hard to be excited or it's kind of hard to have momentum. And, 
and have fans excited about your wide receiver room when you have zero. Uh, so, but they've changed that. Certainly got some guys with a lot of skill set and a lot of guys that can fit everything you're looking for. So, uh, I think to Iris' point, yes, it's better for them for the portal. But I think I think also you even if they get this kid that I think they're likely to get tonight. I think you still want to sign at least one high school kid, just a guy you can develop inside your system. Because, um, you know, the, we won't cover the elephant in the room with Destin Hill. We don't know what he's going to do. Supposedly we hear summer, but you just got to, you got to pretend like that guy's not going to be here. Because, um, you know, there's so much stuff going on. You know, I, I would say if it doesn't happen with Destin Hill this summer, you, you got to feel like it ain't going to happen. But until he's here, it ain't going to matter. So, I think I would like to see them get a high school kid, even if they do get this uh, this last portal kid. Uh, but I think it's tremendous what they've done. And yeah, and to Iris' point, yes, it will help them earlier and quicker on the field with this group. Hey, for real quick, for people that uh, haven't been paying attention this weekend, what can you tell them about Winston Wright, the West Virginia wide receiver who uh, you know is considering Florida State and was here this weekend? Yes, he's. Um, Winston Wright Jr. He's he actually visited FSU on his own. He's very he grew up with uh, Kalen Deloach. Uh, he's from Savannah, Georgia. So the Deloach family kind of showed him around because FSU staff can't host him because it's a dead period. So you know, you find different ways. I think Kalen showed him all around everywhere. Obviously, he can't have any interaction with the staff, but he still got to see everything. He stayed even longer than probably what they they thought he was going to stay. So that's that's never a a bad thing and. I guess for his talent, I mean, he's five foot eleven, one seventy five, one eighty, very explosive slot guy. Kinky, I think he does the things that they were ironically expecting if they got Kevin Coleman to do. So I think this guy kind of fits that mold. Obviously, experience. I think he has two years left. Very good special teams kick returner. So that would add a lot to that that part of the game. And then just an explosive uh, slot guy can do a lot of different things. Had over thirteen hundred yards, seven touchdowns. I think he would be a tremendous addition. And he's the one guy out of the group, out of that four, that actually has solid production. So you can you can lean a little bit more on this guy. And slot guys are guys you want to lean a little bit more on because they get the ball in their hands so much. So I think this is a guy in Winston that could uh, certainly be a big impact for FSU very early. And uh, since we have somebody asking, Michael, what's your gut feeling on that? William is asking. What do you think? I think FSU is going to get him. Uh, I think um, it's likely. Now, nobody from the FSU side has told me, like, hey, he's coming for sure. But I feel pretty good that, that it's going to be FSU. He's kind of duped some people. If you watch his Facebook story, he had a top three, and FSU wasn't in there. But then he said, I'm announcing tonight. But I still feel everything I've heard, uh, you know, it looks likely for FSU that they're, they're going to get their fourth receiver. Well, uh, as a reminder, everybody, you're watching Sunday Smash right here on Warchan TV. If you have not done so yet, please hit the like button and subscribe to our channel for the best Florida State coverage there is in the business, on the web, the interwebs, the dot-coms and such. Please hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. We are talking with Michael Langston, the senior recruiting analyst here at Warchant.com. Uh, Michael, when we were sitting together last on the internet with a live <laughs> stream going, yeah, yes, we were kind of chuckling because that's all you could do. That's all you could do that day. But since that point, um, we signed off around 3 o'clock that day. Armella signed that night. You and uh, Aslan got together for that. FSU's done crazy work in the portal since then. Um, I know that you were saying, and and rightly so, we were commiserating about it being a disaster on December 15th. How do you feel about it now? Just the, the general, the overall look at the 2022 class, if you include the portal kids, how do you feel about it? I think it's very good. 
I'm I'm very I'm very excited for what what I've seen. I think they addressed a lot of needs, especially in the portal. You've gotten two really good offensive linemen. I feel uh, Caden Lyles from the Wisconsin. Uh, we know how good Wisconsin offensive linemen do. And then Bless Harris, uh, they got from Lamar out of, out of the Texas area. And, and then a wide receiver, we've kind of covered that. And then the guy that's kind of lost in all this that was a massive pickup was uh, Tatum Bethune uh, out of UCF, the leading tackler for that team. So you're adding very solid guys uh, across the board. Now, across the class, I think it's been tremendous uh, as far as what they've done. Obviously, at that time when me and Tom were talking, uh, you know, it was it looked really bad because Armello was delaying ins and outs, supposedly. <coughs> and then um, after that, you know, we didn't know, you know, when Kevin Coleman was going to decide. So I think, uh, obviously, it changed. You got Armella and you got Azari Thomas and then, you know, uh, you start, you got even a surprise with Dante Anderson, a, a four-star defensive end. So I think it's a very good job, especially when you look at what these guys had to go through on the field, because they were very inconsistent on the field. And um, still, kids are buying in. You see a lot of 2023 guys that are really excited about FSU. And um, now the portal, they've knocked it out of the park so far. So I think uh, they've done a tremendous job with this class. Uh, hey, Tom, I don't think we should ask William's question because Corey's not on here. Uh, but uh, so Well, Corey's William, my middle name. Not William, really. Not William really. asked, hey, Corey, can you ask Michael if Norvell's going to push for the DE at Jacksonville Bowls? Um, real quick before that, before that, though, Michael, I wanted to touch, follow up on your comment. I think you got to look at that this class two different ways uh, to answer your question also, Tom. I mean, just my opinion. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a very good class overall, especially when you add in the portal. On the other side, I understand people were frustrated because this was a year when you had a chance to get maybe a Travis Hunter, maybe to maybe Marvin Jones Jr. to get, um, you know, some of these big time Tyree West they thought they were involved with. So it went from, you know, expecting this huge, huge day to 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 having the bottom come out on that day. So they've rallied. I think it's going to end up being fine. I think it's going to end up being good. But but I think for fans who are wondering if Mike Norvell can get the five star super duper recruits. Can he go get the guys that Jimbo was able to get? That question's still out there now because, you know, they, they and you know, I was thinking about this and, I, and I'm not to, it just, just came up to me the other day. How unlucky is Mike Norvell? He gets hired in his first year, which should be his first class. He gets the COVID pandemic happens. So they can't go on the road. They can't bring kids to campus. So that class takes a hit. Then this year, when he's got this chance to bring in maybe one of the best classes Florida State's had in maybe close to a decade, and the NIL comes about. I mean, if NIL doesn't happen, they may get all of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just uh, he's he's had some bad luck, and I think that's something we need to take into consideration. But all that can said, to Michael's point, I think they've come out of it pretty well. Yeah, I, I think, too, the Tyree West thing of how he surprised people in picking Tennessee, that kind of set the tone of of yeah. negative and bad things that happened that day. If you If you get that guy – and then you you maybe lose a guy uh, you know later in the day um, it's okay or even the Travis Hunter thing obviously that set the tone uh, big time but then when you lost Tyre West I guess later even earlier in that morning it just the tone was so set that it was so negative that it just looked like everything was going wrong that's why I commented and told Tom like look this is looking like one of the worst closes I've seen and then obviously he turned around where Mello eventually announced that night. Um, you know, Azari Thomas, you got that. So I think Azare kind of brought everyone back like, right. hey, God, we're OK. They're OK. They're going to be fine. So I think it was just uh, 
a wave of, of emotions, but I, I think people forget that this team is five and seven, uh, what they're having to overcome as far as what they're pitching. But I think, yeah, I disagree with Ira. I, I would say that the Jared Verse commitment, I think it signifies how good this guy can recruit because um, that was the best of the best. I mean, he had offers from everywhere and um, he did, I mean, they did the best job as far as selling him on what he's going to be doing at FSU. And to me, that's recruiting. That's the hardest recruit is when you, he he's already been through the high school process. So he knows all that. So FSU did the best job of selling him on what you're going to be at FSU. So I think that was a big moment for FSU going into 2023 is getting a guy like Jared first right. because it's one yeah, thing. That's, getting... that's, that's, that's definitely fair. Um, I was thinking more just like that day, the concerns that yeah. day. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody in the country – not everybody in the country, but a ton of major, major programs wanted to reverse and Florida State won out. So you're 100% right on that. Yeah, and all the Tennessee fans told uh, Verse that, hey, they're going to be terrible. They're going to be five and seven. Like, I forgot. When is the last time Tennessee played for a national title? I haven't remembered oh. them being the SEC title or anything. But I, I thought that was funny. But, you know, Jared kind of handled it with class. And I, I – I'm. I was very impressed by that kid. I think he has the mindset, the focus, the motivation. And that's the other thing I like about these kids is, is how chip, a chip on their shoulder, how motivated these guys are to go in there. They're not just going there just, oh, it's a new start. It's like they're going there to make an impact, and they want to change this stuff. They want to get it right. Uh, Michael, before we let you go, so you expect maybe an announcement tonight. Uh, yes. We know how recruiting these things can be delayed for hours and days on end at times. But if you were going to be on high alert, tonight around what time would you be on high alert for a friend <laughs> i wish i could tell you the time uh I, I would think between you know seven and nine um it's almost eight now so uh i would think it's coming any 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 moment now uh, obviously these kids don't care about what i'm doing the rest of the day so i'm just waiting around for them but um certainly uh i would say between those times uh since he said tonight usually recruits when they do that it's usually around 7 or 9 p.m., unless it's Jaden Woodbay and he decides to do a 15-hour commitment uh, uh, announcement. So, uh, but, yeah, I would say 7 or 9. But, um, yeah, I, it's a whirlwind, uh, Tom, I mean, as far as this stuff. I mean, it's so much harder to, re- to cover uh, a port of recruiting because there's so many more people that you have to connect with that are close to you know, the recruitment. You can't just go by – you know, sources I have with Florida State, you have to go, you have to hit a lot more guys that are in touch with, that are close to the kid to really feel comfortable and confident in, in what you're telling, you know, what I'm telling members, what I'm telling subscribers are kind of where things stand. Hey, um, last thing, just because I, I I diverted the attention after I brought it up, uh, but um, what do you think they're, the Jack Pyburn is the kid, the defensive end of yeah. the Bulls that has gotten some interest. He was committed to Minnesota backed off of that he's got interest now from Miami and some se- several schools where do you where do you see that going uh forward yeah I think he's going to visit FSU in January I think eventually FSU will offer because I think they still would like one more defensive end um I get the impression you know high school or, or portal their top guy was Terrell Dawkins he committed to South Carolina so I think everything sets up for them to make a run at Jack. I think Miami is an offer that he certainly coveted, but I think FSU is one is one that he certainly will. And I, I have a feeling they're going to offer him. And then Jack's already told me if they offer, I'm going to visit uh, FSU in January. So that's kind of where I think it's at, where we'll see how the visits go and go from there. But FSU definitely holds some weight with 
uh, if they do offer him because it's not far from home. Uh, location is a big deal with him. And, and I think he likes what the tradition and what FSU does. So I, I would think it comes down to Miami and Florida State, if you ask me. You know, as family, as Gator fans, but I'm not hearing a push from the Gators at this point. So I would say, you know, Miami, Florida State might be another one of those Florida State Miami battles. And um, certainly FSU's gotten the edge in the portal. Both Jared Burst and Tatum Bethune are both guys that Miami and Florida State wanted. FSU won out on both of them. So certainly they're off to a good start in the portal. But I think this one could come down to, uh, you know, another one of those uh, Canes uh, Knowles battle. And I think a lot's going to depend on probably the visit and even more importantly, if FSU is going to offer, uh, that's what we're kind of waiting to see. Michael, your vigilance is always appreciated here on Warchant TV and Warchant.com. If we have an announcement tonight, somewhere between 7 and 9 Eastern, Pacific, Hawaii time, whatever it is, uh, make sure that you're locked into Warchant TV by hitting the subscribe button because my guess is we'll have a reaction to Winston Wright's decision if it is to the good guys. Hey, um, if, it's a, if it's another one at midnight, uh, Michael, I need you to let Gene know. <laughs> Gene can handle putting the story up on the site. I'll call Gene up. I'm going to – don't tell him I said that. I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, to, to handle it. it was just, that yeah, was just a, that was just so. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, Ira thought I was actually joking when I sent it. He's like, "I was like, no, I'm serious." Like, he's gonna announce it like right at twelve. And of course, we had a really good story with Deuce, and he talked about you know why he did that. And I was like, uh, and I was thinking of Ira as soon as I saw that. You know, I was like, I was like, bad, but hopefully it's uh, quicker. Well, Michael, we appreciate it, and we send you off on a good note because James B. has been so motivated by uh, hearing about all the, the travails in the recruiting circle and the transfer portal that uh, he has brought it to the table on Sunday Smash. Cheers to everybody involved. James B., thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, thank you so uh, we'll be much. talking to you soon. Thanks, Michael. Uh, so I, hey. thank you, James B. My God, that's one way to end an interview. Jeez. That's good stuff. Hey, um. There was a couple of people mentioning some stuff in the chat. I just want to touch yep. on it briefly because we talked about it on the message boards a little bit. Uh, the question about the wide receiver position coach and whether or not it's going to be Ron Dugans going forward or not, we don't know anything definitive on that. Uh, the fact that you know his contract is expiring and the fact that it hasn't been renewed yet leads to speculation. I do think whatever is going to happen is probably going to happen this week. Uh, this week is the big AFCA coaches convention uh, out in Texas where every literally every Division One coach uh, in America, goes there, they interview, they hobnob, they network. Uh, and so if there's going to be any changes, whether it's Dugan's moving on or Florida State bringing somebody else in, there was a report Florida State was interested in uh, Jawan Sider, who's on Penn State staff. So looks like there could be something happening with that position. We'll have to see going forward. But um, nothing definitive right now. Um, but uh, I think that's you'll probably hear something soon one or the other. If, they, if, if Mike Norvell decides to keep Coach Dugan's, I think that'll come up probably in the next week or so, or if he moves on and they bring in somebody else, I think that'll be coming soon. Yeah, another thing tomorrow is uh, Tony Tokar, nice. who, is, who has now been uh, naturalized to the on-field staff as a quarterback's coach, is uh, going to speak to us tomorrow at 10.15 Eastern. That is the, uh, the current schedule, so we'll have some content for you there from an existing coach who was uh, you know, promoted within the ranks and Tony Tokar, so we'll be interested there. Mark, we appreciate the contribution. Uh, he was saying that's exactly what I was saying to people, Ira, uh, I'm sure you were saying something wise. It's probably oh, to do. I, I was looking at the time selling what it could have been. Yeah. Well, it's anything. If, if you spoke, it was live. Uh, <laughs> I, think it was, you, 
I, I'm guessing it was maybe about the class, just the class, not being worried about the receivers, maybe. Yep. Something like that. Um, I think also it was uh, Mike Norvell's lot in life since he got here, which has just been. Oh, uh, that's possible. Yeah. The patience of Job he has to have had uh, the last couple of years. I mean, think uh, about that. If the NIL hadn't happened this year, oh. they'd probably get Marvin Jones. They'd probably get Travis Hunter. They, pro- I mean, that's crazy. They'd probably get Tyree West. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, you know, if you win the game against Jack State, and who knows? Who knows? Maybe you keep at least one of them, you know, keep the interest. Tyree West was late, I understand, but like yeah. uh, MJJ and, and Travis um, and maybe some of the other kids that they were in on earlier. Uh, James B., we can't thank you enough for this uh, once again, sir. You are back in 2022. If I didn't believe you before, I believe you now. Um, <laughs> you see Tom's comment? I don't know if Matthew needs to put it up. Oh, all right, all right. that's cool. You can put it up there. <laughs> Go ahead, wipe it up again, Matthew. He's, he's breaking out the bong to celebrate oh, the bills. So that that's Buffalo Tom, <laughs> as we've actually called him. Buffalo Tom will stop by and tell some interesting stories in the chat on the Jeff Cameron Show, which you can catch Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday at one o'clock. Tom is Tom will tell you where he is. You're like, man, that dude never has a non-interesting day. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, yeah that's good, you know, good that's, reminder. Not, not safe for hit work. Hit the goddamn time. bong, Tom. There you go. Yeah, sorry. So there, get one out of the way. Um, so, uh, prize picks is, uh, been a sponsor of this program since, uh, oh, well about middle of football season, maybe the first third of football season. Um, there's one more game to go tonight and I will tell you, Ira, I didn't have the, uh, the graphic pulled up, uh, but I hit today, sir. What I did this morning was I, I, uh, went to a couple of websites that might know contract incentives for certain players, uh, vesting $500,000 or $250,000 bonuses in week 18 of the NFL, uh, two of them resided in Tampa Bay, and uh, one was uh, Rob Gronkowski. He had to have seven catches, and he had to have more than, I forget what it was, like 60 yards receiving, something he like that. He got seven catches in that ridiculous game today? He did. Ira, he went for a buck 30 in That's that game. That's crazy. That's just strictly because of the incentive, because they didn't. That, that game was meaningless, right? So in the throws of the game, he probably had five for 85, but they, they made sure to finish the job. After what I saw, Ira, the affront to the integrity of the NFL last year that was Tom Brady and Antonio Brown on little <laughs> shovel passes. The, they're like just snapping it and just playing like little little kid football to make sure that Antonio last year got 200K or whatever it was. Uh, I knew that the Bucks were going to hit on some intensive, uh, incentives, and Evans today had to clear 54 yards uh, to be a 1,000-yard receiver for eight straight years to start wow. his NFL career. So he was six for 89 payday baby uh but matthew if you want to pull up the slate for tonight there's one game to go winners in the playoffs technically if both of these teams wanted to just kneel down the entire night they could and they would both get into the playoffs with a tie i don't think they're going to do that i think they're going to play in earnest uh but let's go over to the receiving yards receiving yards because hunter renfro last week did for the uh, in the nfl what he did so often in college which is show up in big games and make big plays. It's all that he did at Clemson. So 59 and a half, I feel, is a discount. I'm going over on the Hunter Renfro total. And then uh, Austin Eckler, it's ride or die tonight for Austin Eckler. So the 30 and a half receiving yards, sure, go ahead over. Whatever the rushing total is, go ahead. I think he's going to get 30 touches tonight. Do you have any thoughts, Ira? Are you going to watch this uh, winner gets in playoff game tonight? I- I'm definitely going to be watching it, no question. Uh, you know what, man? If we can go to the passing, I- I'm uh... – I think I'm going to go under on Derek Carr. I think it was like two, yep. 257. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to go under with Derek Carr. And then uh, looking at the uh, the running backs, uh, I think I wanted to go uh, – shoot. Yeah, let me go um, 
gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go under with Josh Jacobs. Yep. So those are my, those are my that's my uh, my two two team play. Uh, man, I you know you did did you tell me about the Bucks thing before the game? Yes. Okay, because I, I, I when you told me about it, I was kind of mad. I was like, Tom, you could have given me the heads up, but you actually oh. did give me the heads up, and I wasn't smart enough to go make the play. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I'm a guy who gives heads ups on, on things, uh, <laughs> and the Bucks seem to be an organization that will make sure you get your money. I had one other play out there with uh, AJ Green who had to clear, I think it was 50 yards receiving, and he did not. Uh, that, that those teams combined for like 70 points. Seattle and Arizona did, but and and he did not hit. Uh, James B to answer this question, uh, I don't have contacts in. I have a headache from hell from not having my glasses on um i left them uh at a uh, at a restaurant and um i think they're gone so i need to go get a new pair so well, they, they're not at the restaurant like who's gonna steal your glasses uh i think they were trashed i they were so ratty i got those like friggin' seven years ago so i'm sure the people like ooh, whoever whoever left these needs to just get a new pair so i'm sure they're in the trash much to uh jeff's uh uh he's very happy about that he's like will you get some new freaking glasses i mean what's wrong with you these things are disgusting so I give a, a shout out to walter we don't need to put his comment up there but uh that was very nice of you i hope you had a good time at the basketball game buddy uh that was a good it was a pretty good crowd last night the students yeah. were awesome and i'm really the best thing about fsu basketball looking good last night at home after this stretch was that it really means tuesday should be a great crowd um you know you got miami in after they just beat duke florida state showing something caleb mills had that huge game uh, the students, we know the students are going to come. They came Saturday night, um, so they'll definitely be there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a really good crowd Tuesday night. Yeah, 8 o'clock too. A little extra time for the students to make sure they're rowdy for uh, for that particular game, and, and they will be. And remember, everybody, at uh, Prize Picks too, use code WARCHANNERS, 100% deposit match. They have college basketball as well. So if you're feeling strong about what Caleb Mills is going to do on Tuesday night, you can play that within Prize Picks. Uh, that's going to be a game that's definitely on their radar since Miami figures to be a ranked a top 25 team uh, when the polls come out tomorrow. So Ira, the week that was the holidays that were any final thoughts you have uh, on anything FSU or non FSU related, something grinding your gears right now. Are you happy? How are you feeling as we're closing out this edition of the smash? Uh, you know, man, I'm, I'm really optimistic about flip football. Uh, I did a story or a couple stories last week that um, people can still find on the website at warchant.com. Uh, basically breaking down the roster, the depth chart on offense and defense, where we at? Where we're at today in early January? The players that left, the players who are coming back, and really, man, you go by position by position. This team should be better across the board. The one, the one area where you're concerned it's not going to be better is defensive end. But then they went and got Jared Verse, which is a big help. And now, if you Dennis Briggs possibly is going to move to defensive end because they feel really good about their defensive tackles, so maybe he's a Keir Thomas kind of player um, in that position. Uh, if they get another quality defensive end in the portal, now you start feeling better about that position. But really, linebacker, you're bringing everybody back, plus you're bringing in Tatum. But Berthune, as Michael mentioned, secondary, you're bringing just about everybody back, plus you're bringing in uh, the um, greedy Vance from uh, Louisville who started at corner at Louisville. Uh, you look in some other players are bringing in, then you look on, on the offensive side of the ball, man, these new wide receivers, plus they're bringing it, you know, all the guys who uh, played and contributed this past season can come back as well. Jordan Travis, another year older, offensive line. You picked up a couple of big transfers, yeah. Miles. Um, so that and you bring everybody back. So that position should be better. The one position on offense I'm a little bit leery of is losing Jayshon Corbin to me is a big deal. And I don't know that as much as I like Trayshawn Ward and we're excited about Lawrence Tofili, I don't know that they're going to replace Jayshon Corbin. But really across the board, this team should be a lot better. 
And now you know who your quarterback is. You don't have that nonsense from early last season. So doing that exercise, man, I, I feel better about this team going into next year. Yeah, that's also one thing. Michael has uh, said this repeatedly that, you know, stay tuned to the portal, not just now, not just February. Like it could go all the way to the summer. That's where Dylan Gibbons was a late ad. So, you know, at, at the running back position specifically, maybe somebody emerges after spring or something along those lines. Uh, I would think that more help is on the way. Uh, right. But you're right, Ira. That that would be one position. I guess last thing I'll ask you, just, you know, you got your ear to the ground uh, with the uh, the staff and the program more than anybody does here at Warchant. Um, Jamie Robinson, do they expect him to come back? Because that's huge. It's huge. So, yeah. So early on, um, they did because they, they had already gotten feedback from the NFL. And, um, you know, I think that there's, because the scouts are on campus all year long, uh, I think they were getting feedback from the scouts um, throughout the, the year. And then they'll present that information too. So even before they go to the underclassmen uh, advisory committee through the NFL, I think the staff already had information. So when we talked to, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember after the Florida game, mm-hmm. when Jamie Robinson spoke to the media, he sounded like he might be one and a half feet out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, man, this guy's gone. And I started asking around. And what I was told is, Wait till maybe wait till he hears his feedback from the NFL because it wasn't as good as maybe he was expecting it to be. Not that he's not a good player, but there were some things they really think he needs to work on. And so they felt like if he makes a good decision based on that information, then there's a good chance he'll come. So I think they felt pretty good about it. But I, he's one to me because of the way he sounded after that Florida game, because of how productive he's been. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear it for sure to know to believe he was really going to stay. I'm with you, man. I think that's huge. I mean, that's a huge. That's a that's a guy. He's a he's a ta- you know like basketball. They'll say somebody's a bucket. Yep. He's he's a he's a tackle. You know, you put him on the field. He just tackle. He he finds a way to get to the ball, make plays. He also led him in interceptions. I love him as a player. And uh, if he improves on the things they think he needs to improve on, you know, he was first team All ACC this year. He could be a really special player. Yeah, he's a stabilizer. I mean, you could see it when he wasn't in the game. Uh, I forget which one it was. He was suspended for the first half and. Right. Um, or even you know the Boston College game to agree to a degree with that uh, ejection, uh, you miss him when he's not on the field. There are some players you don't notice if they're on the field or not, and when Jamie Robinson is not on the field for the secondary, it was it was noticeable they were missing him greatly. Uh, I guess Panama Jack has one more question before we go. Ira uh, Fabian Lovett, do you have any gut feelings on that? Uh, you know, I think it's a good sign that he hasn't announced yet. I mean, he still has till January 17th. I haven't heard that he's definitely staying. It seems to be more leaning that way. The fact that they're considering moving Dennis Briggs, the defensive end, makes me think that they feel good about Fabian Lovett coming back. Uh, we wondered, because he does have a young child, he was he did have a really good year. He was healthy, in good shape this year, and had a nice season. Um, but it seems like, you know, the, again, we're, we're just over a week away from the deadline. Um there's no real reason to wait. So I think uh, they're going to get good news. Uh, Jamie Robinson, I think, announced on Friday. It makes me think maybe Fabian Lovett, uh, you know, you don't maybe you don't want to do them both on the same day. Maybe Fabian Lovett announces early this week, and uh, he's another one. I mean, it's a really big piece to that team. There you go, Jordan. That's the answer to all problems right now, and I don't think I'm kidding. Give them NIL money. Give them all NIL money. You know, whatever it needs to happen, make sure it happens. Uh, but uh, for Irish Chaffel, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. Remember, everybody, if, if you uh, tuned in halfway through, uh, this will be news to you. But since we're out of football season, it is just a, a carousel of the greatness of Warchant.com and all the people that work here at Warchant and Warchant TV. Uh, Sunday Smash is going to be rotating based upon storylines and need. 
so just expect to see anybody and everybody from our staff here at warchant.com on Sunday Smash. This edition was a lot of fun. My first, uh, Ira, had a great time. Uh, make sure everybody that uh, I'll give you uh, final words one more second because I saw Michael pop in and out of the green room. Uh, Michael is is waiting for the Winston Wright answer, everybody. So if there is an answer on FSU side and, and it's good, make sure to come right back here to War Chant TV because we'll have coverage of Winston Wright's decision if he doesn't indeed decide to transfer from West Virginia uh, to Florida State. But Ira, I'll give you the final word. Yeah, and just want to remind people from the housekeeping perspective, we are going to probably try to have some more guests on. Like tonight we had a people, if you, if you didn't catch the beginning, we had Adrian Crawford on to talk FSU basketball. We have Michael come on. It may not be two guests every week. Maybe it'll be one. Maybe it'll be none. Um, and and as you said, I mean, it could be it could be Jeff and Corey. It could be Aslan and Gene. It, I mean, there's this, there's different all the different combinations we could have uh, on this show. And uh, and uh, enjoyed it, man. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be back in these chairs again soon. Yeah, indeed we will. It's uh, 2022. If all goes right, I'll be in Mexico this time next week on vacation. So uh, if you, not. But- but you'll be – we got a JCS show this week, though? We do. We'll be on tomorrow, 1 o'clock, uh, Seminole Headlines, Tuesday, 1 o'clock, and then Wednesday through Friday. I'm here in town all week uh, working with Warchan. And then uh, next week, if hopefully these are taken from the, uh, the home country and not uh, in a fridge near me here in Tallahassee. But our thanks to Adrian Crawford. Our thanks to Mark, uh, who contributed to the program. Our thanks to uh, Ed Lemmings. And James B., good Christmas. That was uh, that was a Jermaine Johnson-level contribution to the program. Thank you, James. And to Michael Langston, as always, we appreciate uh, his insights. So we'll talk to you next time on War Chant TV. If you have not done so already, hit the like and subscribe button. Good night from Sunday Smash. <laughs>